turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And as I do that, the men have some papers. I don't know where they're at. Where's Jeremy at? He's over here. If you can help him. We're actually going on our Wednesday night. We went over some doctrines and why we have doctrines. It's a short review with that. And then you need to have a pen out because we're going to go through the doctrines. And we're going to go with the doctrine of God today. I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a weird question. People will say, who is God? But there's another question you can ask is, what is God? And I want you to see this, and I want you to understand it. We're going to go through, like, if, if you can get in your, um, in your page, it says Bible, do, says Bible Baptist, uh, Baptist Bible Doctrines and Why. We're going to go through those really quick. We went over these on Wednesday, but for a short review, I'm going to just go through these, and I want you to see these, and then we'll get over to the other side. And I really want you to get this, because if you don't know your doctrine, you're going to be swayed to different things. Doctrines are a set of rules that don't move. It's the foundation of who we are. Let me give you an example. There is a fine line between soccer and football. You change a few rules around, and you have a different sport. Most people don't know this, but in, in, in football, how many players do you have? Eleven. How many players do you have in soccer? Eleven. You, have, you try to score a goal, there's, there's different penalties. But in soccer, I remember when I went, I played football my first two years in high school. Then I went to Christian school and I played soccer. And I was a wide receiver and a safety in, in, in football. But when I went to play soccer, since I was a wide receiver, I liked to catch the ball. And so like I'd be playing soccer and the ball would be coming to me and I just didn't have that mindset. And so I would just grab the ball and throw it on the ground and they used to get mad at me. I did it in the penalty box our first game. And it gave them a penalty kick and we ended up beating them, but we beat them by three to one. And that one goal was caused because of me. Well, the, the coach said, well, you're tall. I want you to play. So they moved me into goalie. Now I like goalie because goalie was a wide receiver in football. See, you just switch a few of these rules around, and you've got a different sport. You've got a different sport. The, the foundation of everything is by the rules. So let's look at this, and we went over this on Wednesday. If you were here, I apologize. We're going to go through these really quick, but it gives you, a hand, it gives you written um, verses, and it's very important that you, you look at these verses later, because on this side, I'm not going to go through these verses. I'm going to tell you what they are, and I want you to read those later. But why do you have um, Baptist Bible doctrines? Why do we study it? The first reason is this. It gives us truth. Aren't you tired of, of falsehoods? And this is not just for Baptists. Everybody has to understand you have to have doctrines when you look at your, when you look at your Bible. I just, by, by um, studying it, I'm a Baptist by conviction because of doctrines. And so here it says for truth. And it gives you some things in there. And I like this last verse. If you read it, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. This is God talking about his children. It's talking about us. We need that truth. The second thing is the stability. What is the stability? If you don't have stability, you can't walk around. Anybody had an ear infection before and your equilibrium is kind of messed up? You don't have that stability? Here, you've got to have this doctrine for stability. Then there was four reasons for studying doctrines. It's number one, it is, it is God's instructions. Man, in here, how many of you, if you were to buy something and it gave you instructions, you wouldn't look at it? I knew Randy would be the first one up. Larry was the second one up. I'd probably be the third one up. And I've messed up because I didn't follow the instructions. 
You ever put something together and you go, oh, wow, I kind of forced that in there and it wasn't supposed to do. You know, this is talking about the instruction that God gives us. There's some verses in there. We're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. We don't need to be ashamed of who we are. The world will have us be ashamed. We don't need to be ashamed. It separates truth from error. Um, look at these, the wrong doctrine. We're supposed to stay away from them. We're supposed to stay away from the wrong direction. We're supposed to stay away from the wrong fellowship. The Bible says in Ephesians, and I have no fellowship with the fruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We're supposed to stay away from them. Wrong philosophy. That's one that's really in a lot of churches right now is the wrong philosophy. They, they want to make the Bible. Now watch this. A lot of churches want to make the Bible fit them. What we've got to do is make us fit the Bible. And that's a totally different thing. We talked about that a little bit more on Wednesday. So then it talks about preparation for answering for your faith. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know why I believe that, but I'll, I'll look it up. But when you know, understand doctrine, Bernard, you will understand why you believe what you believe. So we've got to get back to understanding that. The last one is this. It helps us to do God's work in God's way. Another, churches do this, they'll go and they'll do something and then they'll put God on it. Let's make sure God's on it before we do something. And that's what that's, that, that's talking about. The Bible is the final tr rule of faith and practice in all matters. You want to know how you should live? Read your Bible. You have a bad attitude? Anybody ever have a bad attitude in here? I do. You know, Christmas brings that out to me when I go to a store. You know, when I go to a store and they cut me off and they take the last piece that I want and, and that just bothers me. You know what I like? I like, um, when, I, love, I love my granddaughter, but this, this afternoon we were sitting at the, at the table and we had one piece of pie left over. And you know, you're so, I'm so thankful. My, daughter's, my granddaughter's only three years old. She doesn't understand numbers. I said, honey, we're going to cut this pie. I'm going to give myself 95% and you're going to get 5%. And I said, give me five. And she gave me five. I thought, man, I like this. When people don't understand things, they go wayward, amen? And so the Bible is our final rule. Then we talked about these 10 doctrines. You take one of these 10 doctrines out, and you don't have Christianity. We talked about this on Wednesday. Look at these 10 doctrines. Literal, scriptural, creation. God said it, it happened. Um, the inspiration of scripture, it's true. The virgin birth of the Son of God, it happened. The deity of Christ, that's who he is. The blood sacrifice of Christ on the cross. He could not have been hung because of what the Old Testament said. He had to be hung on, he could, he had to be hung on the cross and sacrifice his blood. The death, burial, and resurrection. If you did not have one of those, we wouldn't have Christianity today. Salvation by grace through faith and Christ alone. You can't work your way to heaven. Can you imagine if you could work your way to heaven? You know who would be in heaven? All the rich people. Everybody had money would be in heaven. Because they could give more money, they could do more things, and that's not what it's based on. It's based by just faith through grace. The, last, the, the, the eighth one, eternal life for the saved in heaven. There is a literal heaven. I thank God for that. My mother's in heaven walking around the streets of gold right now. And it's a literal place. It's not just something that we've imagined. Jesus talked about it. The Old Testament talked about it. We've got to understand that it's a literal place. And then it says eternal damnation for the lost in hell. You're going to go one of two places. And you see religions do this. They make up places. What does Catholics say? They make up what? Purgatory. You find that in the Bible. You don't find it in the Bible. In fact, let me say this. Jesus talks more about, heaven, about, about hell than he did heaven. 
So it's a literal place. And the last one is this, the return of Christ. Why did he come here? To return. And, I, and you watch the Middle East. I'm excited about what's going on in the Middle East. As I look at these, I think, man, this is just incredible to see what's going on overseas. So now let's go to the first one. We're going to look at the doctrine of God. I'm going to try to get through this. I'm going to go as quick as I can. I've got you some things you have to fill out. So you have to pay attention. All right. And so I want you to see this. I didn't ask the question, who is God? I asked, what is God? You say, well, that's a, a weird way to ask that. Well, let's look at this really quick. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. You should have turned that in your Bible, and here it is on, on your page. It says, As ye have therefore received Je Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. This has got to be about God. Who is God? Now, I want to say this to you. This is not my original. I did not write all this. I got some from other, other sources. And, I, as, and when you deal with doctrine, you better make sure your sources are right. So I want to say this. This is not going to be one that's going to be spectacular. It's just going to be information so you can get that. But we need to understand what we believe. If you were to take a poll, and I said this on Wednesday night, if you were to take a poll on, um, not the Mormons, but who am I thinking of? Jehovah Witnesses. And if you were to take a poll and you were to ask them what they were before they were Jehovah Witnesses, the majority of them with this poll that I read was they were Baptist. They just didn't, believe, they didn't understand what they believed. And so we've got to understand what we believe and put it all together. So let's understand what God is. There's some, there's some verses in here, and all the verses are here, and I'll give you those, those um, references in just a second. God is the sole, watch this, creator if something exists, he made it. You say, well, we've combined two things. Yeah, but the two things you combined were God making them. And so we've got to understand that he's the sole creator. He's also the preserver. So it says God is the sole creator, the preserver, and final disposer of all things. He takes care of everything. Isn't that great to know? This is, this is what God is. This is what his job is. This is what he does for us. He is the creator, the preserver, the disposer of all things. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16, For by Him were what? All things created. It says that are in heaven, above us, that are in the earth, and I like this, visible and invisible, so the things you don't even see, He made. Have you ever studied science and you look and you see how small atoms are. And, and you just, you're, you're just amazed at how God made those. I mean, he made all of those. It says this, it says, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and don't forget the last three words, and for him. You know what that tells me? He has a purpose for everything. He has a purpose for me, Bernard. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for everybody in here. He has a purpose for the choir. He has a purpose for the piano. Everything that he made was by him, and it was made for him. You know, when, when we had our children, I, loved, I, I love our girls still to this day, love our girls. And, and when they came into this earth, I thought, wow, what a beautiful little baby. Can you imagine what God thinks of us? 
I mean, he created, we, we, my wife and I created a child. He created something out of nothing. He made, he made the world. He made the birds. He made the animals. He made everything and the trees. And you sit there. He made the rain, praise God. We've had that, enough of that already, amen? He made all of these things. And he made them, he made them by him and for him. Go to the next verse. It says in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive, receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasures they are and were created. You know what I like about this verse is when it says to receive glory and honor and power. There is nothing we can do without God's help. We have to have God's help with everything. There's not, when it comes to your job, He gives you the ability to do it. When it comes to your automobile that He gave you, that He lets you lease or loan, and that's His and His alone. That the children that he gave you, those are his. The Bible says in that verse, it says that it is to receive glory and honor and power. When's the last time we thanked him for what he's done? You hear me talk about this all the time because I have to work on it. Sometimes I think, look what I've done. You ever been there? But then all of a sudden you realize it's nothing that I've done. It's everything God's done. That's who God is. He's the soul creator. He is the... the um, he is a preserver. He is a disposer. Now, one of these things we'll understand. Read John, John 4, 24. God is a what? Spirit. God is a spirit. When I was looking this up and I was studying this, it was interesting. God is a spirit. God is not limited to time or space. That's what throws us all off. See, I understand eternity future. You understand that? Because when I die, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, and it's going to be forever. What I really have a problem with in my, in my brain is eternity past. Because I was born on May 27, 1966. That's my start. And there's going to be a finish on this earth, but it's going to keep going. Can I tell you, God was always, always was and always will be. And so we've got to understand who God is. He is a spirit. He's not held to time or space. He's misunderstood sometimes. And sometimes we wonder, how, why are these things going on on this earth? Why are these things going on in our world? But God is still in control. He created it and He controls it. Remember when um, Job is a righteous man, a just man. And what happened? God, uh, Satan wanted to do something, but Satan couldn't touch him unless God told him he could do it. God is in control. He is a spirit. The Bible says in that verse, it says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit, and I like the last three words, and in truth. It's got to be true with it. So God is a soul creator, the preserver, the disposer of all things. God is a spirit. Now I like this one, God is, is light. This is what God is. He is light. 1 John 1.5 says this, This then is the message which ye have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Mark, that's the difference between me and him. There is no darkness at all. It's just all light. And we talked about this because it says in the, in the New Testament, it says God is light, but then it says we are the light of the world. Remember reading that? You say, well, how does that conflict? We talked about this on Wednesday. Did you notice when God was talking about the moon, He said He made two lights, one to rule the, dark, one to rule the day and one to rule the night. 
The moon has no light in it. The only light the moon has is the reflection of the sun. The sun is God. We are the moon. We get, our, we get all of our light from Him. There's no light in us. The only light that's in us is when the Holy Spirit comes into us and He indwells us and we have Him in there. But when it comes to Walter Wayne Wagner on his own, there's no light. But thank God, God saw fit for me to understand what salvation was. He came into me. He get, the Holy Spirit indwelt me. And when I became saved, guess what? The Holy Spirit is inside of me. He tells me what to do. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to listen to Him. God ever told you something to do? Let me go, go on, on visitation on Saturday real quick. You know what's going to happen? You're going to wake up Saturday morning and, go, and Satan's going to say, you don't need to go that. Psh, let somebody else go. You know, this, this Saturday was the men's prayer breakfast. I love the men's prayer breakfast. And I had a headache. I couldn't stand to see the lights or the smells. And I was going to go into Denver and say, can you make this food not smell any, anything and shut the lights off? I'll be okay. I had to call in and say I wasn't going to be able to make it. You know, there, there's things in our life that we're limited to, amen? And so when that Holy Spirit indwells us, that light comes into us, it tells us, yes, no, wait. Don't you love it when God says wait? That's always wonderful when, when God says wait. How many of you are patient in here? Raise your hand. Wayne, Cowden, and Bernard, okay? All right. It's no reflection on your wives. I'm just going to say that, all right? You're just patient, amen? I, I think both these men are patient. I really do. Larry Hilton, are you patient? Do you pray for patience? I do not either. If I pray for patience, I'd be a fool because God will teach it to me. I don't need to pray for it. God is a light. Look at these other verses. It says in, uh, in Revelation 21, 23 through 24. Did I give you the first reference? The first reference is 1 John 1, 5. Then this is the message which ye have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Revelation 21, 23 and 24 says this, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb of the, uh, is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto, into it. When we get to heaven, we don't need the sun. We have Christ. I, that, that's an interesting statement. He says the sun, won't, we won't need it at that time because we have Christ himself and he is, God is the light. So then let's look at the last one. And this is one that's kind of hard, harder. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, it says, he is a, for our God is a consuming fire. Because we don't want to look at God like that. This is referencing judgment. The world would have you believe that God is love. And He is, he is love. There's love in Him. But He's a righteous judge also. You know, He's not going to... A, a, a judge is not going to let you get by with things that you did wrong. I've told you this before. When I told my mom I was going to leave, I was going to... I'm sick of it, Mom. You're making all these rules. I'm going to leave. As a child, she went and, and packed my bags, set them by the door. And she had the audacity to make me a sandwich to take with me. And I was like, what is that? She said, you said you were leaving? Here's your stuff. Get out of here. 
And I said, can we renegotiate this, Mom? I was with my little granddaughter yesterday, and, and she's about ready to go to sleep. I went in there, and I kissed her on the forehead, and I said, honey, I love you. And she was watching the video, and bless her heart, she is just, she's smart as a whip. She's probably the smartest child I've ever seen, amen. Um, not because she's my granddaughter, but she's just really smart. And, and I looked at her, and I was having one of those moments, and I hugged her and kissed her on the cheek, and, and I, I, I put, got on my knees, and I was right beside the bed. And so that told her that I was planning on staying there for a while. And she looked at me and she says, what are you doing? I said, I just wanted to tell you I love you. She said, now you need to go to your room. <laughs> and I was like, I guess you're really into this video, aren't you? I'm going to shut my computer off. What do you think of that? I didn't do that. I just walked out of that room and thought, you know what? Sometimes children teach you things all along the way. You know, God's sitting up there and he wants us to love him. Sometimes we look at him and say, what are you doing in here? Just go to your room. God is a consuming fire. He has the ability to do whatever he wants. I can't tell him what to do. I can try to, as Abraham, we talked about this morning, Abraham tried to negotiate with him. But at the very end of the deal with this, Russ, no matter what Abraham would have said, or it was still God's choice. God sometimes says yes. God sometimes says no. God sometimes says wait. We've got to follow his lead. Because you know why? He's God and we're not. All right, let's look at the next part. So we have God. He's, he's what is he? He is a consuming fire. He is a light. He is a spirit. He's a creator. He's a preserver. He's a disposer. God is one God who is triune in his existence. He is referred to it as the Trinity. You see that even in the book of Genesis. When he created man, it says he created him our image, referring to the three parts. And the three parts are very easy. The first one is God the Father. He's God the Father. Now be very careful because people get messed up with the Trinity. There's, there's Trinities that we have. For instance, water is a Trinity, right? You have ice. You have water. What's the other one? Steam. Are all three water? Can you tell the difference between the three of them? Do they have different attributes? Absolutely they do. But they're still water. So when we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're still one, but there's three aspects of them. The one I think is most confusing is God the Holy Spirit. And that's the one we should really know because He indwells us. We understand God the Father, we understand God the Son, and we talked about this even in Sunday school. With the young couples, as I, as I look at this, they don't take away from each other. The father, it shows that when the son says, I will do what the father says, it's not taking away from either or. It's one God, it's one God in three parts, and they work together in unity. So let's look at this. You have God the Father. And then it says the, the Son of God. You have this, and it says, For unto us, and that's Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Then it says in John 1, 1, and everybody's familiar with this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You go to John 1, 14, 
It's referring to the, going back from John 1, 1 to John 1, 14. Watch what John 1, 14 says. You got it in your notes. It says, and the word was made what? Flesh. It's the son of God. He was tempted just like we were, but he didn't fall. The only time I could see him ever get angry is when he came into the church. He saw what they were doing. He flipped over the tables, but he sinned not. When they were trying to, to get him to be put to death, what they have to do? Make false accusations about our Christ. He was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man. It says, And the Word was made flesh, in John 1, 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? There's those words again. Grace and truth. That's what the doctrine of God is. God the Father, God the Son. And it says in Titus 2.13, Titus 2.13, looking for that, I love this blessed hope. You ever look forward to things? <laughs> Growing up, man, I used to love to open up my Christmas presents. This year, we didn't open up our Christmas presents until December 30th, December 31st. We wanted to wait till the grandchild was there. And she was our Santa and she brought us all of them. And every, every, about every other package was hers. She said, whose is this? And I said, this is yours. And she'd just rip it apart. And you know, I remember thinking, man, this is, this is fun to watch. It's something that I was hoping for. But now it's a totally different ball game when you have grandchildren. But can I tell you this, I am... Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Christ. I really am. He's done so much for us. And look at what this verse says. It says this. It says, um, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious, glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have Isaiah 9, 6, John 1, 1, John 1, 14, and Titus 2, 13. Then we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit's always been there. He's just like God. He's part of the, the, the triune. He's, he's part of the Trinity. But we don't hear much about Him until what? After Christ dies. Watch what it says in this. And this is the story, um, Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. This is an interesting story, but you've got to watch this. It says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to thee what? Holy Ghost. Why is this important? Why did he say that? Why didn't he say you lied to God? Because Ananias was a Christian, I believe. And he knew what he was supposed to do and he didn't do it. He was lying to the Holy Spirit. And so he lies to him. He says, listen, he says, Satan has filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. It is a parallel. The first time he asked him why he lied to the Holy Spirit, the second time he asked him why he lied to God, one and the same. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what are some attributes? And we're going to write all these down, and next week we're going to look at these. For sake of time, I can't get into all of them. And so I want you to look at this. Related to spirituality, the first two. When you, when you understand the attributes of God, the first thing is He's life. He's life. I mean, that's what His job is. That's who He is. He's life. He's the one that gives us life. 
He's the one that created the Garden of Eden. And, and what? What was it? The tree of life that gave them the life to sustain. So he's life. Not only this, and I, and I like this because he's like us. There's personality. God has personality. He has emotions. It showed up in Christ when it said, we, we studied this. Jesus wept. Why do you He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. He had emotion with people. God has emotions with people. God can change if he wants to, but it's on him. It's not on us. There's that personality of love, justice. And so these are related to spirituality. Then there's some, some things that are related to infinity, things that will never change. Self-existence. He was always there. Amen? Self-existence. I mean, God was always there. Do you get that? He's always there and He will always be there with you. That's why Emmanuel, God with us. That's why they said that. He was with Joseph and He's with us. And it's this, immutability. Now that's a word we don't use a, we don't use a lot. I-M-M-U-T-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. He will not, what? Change. You better be thankful for that. Study the Mormons. Their Bible changes constantly. You know why? Who's ever in charge of the Mormon church? They write the rules. They can change anything. Now, the Mormon church will use the King James Bible. But they also have the Book of Mormon. And it changes and changes. I am so thankful that God doesn't change. Because if he changed, what would happen with the scriptures? I'm telling you, Randy, if, if he changed, the scripture would be null and void. Because if he changed, you'd have to go, okay, we need to change a lot of things in the scripture. You know one of the hardest things I have that God tells me to do? Mm, love my enemy. Anybody have a problem with that? You don't want to admit it, but sometimes you go, oh, man, I just want to wring their neck. That's what my dad used to always say. I'm going to wring your neck. I was like, what does that mean? I found out what it meant when I saw him with the chickens. I didn't want him to wring my neck. <laughs> wring my neck, that's pretty desperate, Dad. I'm going to stay away from you when you say that, all right? You ever felt like that? God tells you to do something, you go, I don't want to be nice to them. I want to be, and here's our problem. See, so I want to be me. Praise God. That Holy Spirit, I want to kick him out just for two seconds so I can tell you what I think. But the Bible says that we're supposed to love our enemies. That's an attribute of God. He's immutable. He will not change. That's a great, great thing for him to be. The next one, as we go through these pretty quick. The next one is, he is the truth. <laughs> Infinity is the truth. If someone could find something wrong with this Bible, they had already told us. But people research it and research it and research it. When they find out, guess what? It doesn't have any errors. No typos, no, no cross-references where they cross against each other. It is the truth. And that's who God is. The next one is, He is love. That's an attribute of Him. And it's infinity. He will be this forever. Holiness. There's not many things now that are holy. Right? We have a holy Bible. Some of your Bibles say that on there. 
and we have a holy God. Is there anything else that's holy? Not really. That's a great attribute to be for infinity, forever. The next one, not only is, is he holy, holiness, he is justice. I would encourage you to read Revelation and study it. You'll find really quick that God is a God of just, justice and a God of judgment. And nothing in, that old, in, in the Old Testament or New Testament is wrong. So when he tells you what's going to happen in Revelation, it's going to happen. You could see it. There's things that are predicted in the Bible, and, and you've heard me say this. When you read Jonah, you read Jonah that he went down into the, the ocean, and he was on what? The mountains. At the time it was written, no one knew there were mountains underneath the ocean. We do now, because God knows everything. There's also a partition in the Bible where it talks about Gog and Magog will be reunited. Do you know what that is? Germany. It's interesting. I just think God does everything perfect, of course, and you sit back and you go, wow. For instance, the, the Noah's Ark. They know where it's at. They can't get to it. God doesn't want them to get to it, amen? The temple where it's supposed to be built. Very difficult place to build a temple. If they said they were going to build it in Ohio, it would be easy. But the temple's not going to be built in Ohio. It's going to be built in where? Jerusalem. And they can't get to it because there's always fighting. Remember those two brothers we talked about? They don't like each other. They still don't like each other. So there's a lot of things going on with this. But he is a God of justice. And the last one starts with G. This is one of the things I'm very thankful for. He's a God of goodness. He's someone that you can always look at, and he's always good. Now, when he does one thing, he doesn't negate the others. I remember when I worked at UPS, they would give us 20 different numbers to hit. And if we hit 10, that was good, and I would go, okay, I'm going to get these two over here and hit these numbers. So the next day, I'd hit those two numbers, but when I got those two numbers, I'd lose two numbers on the other side. I could never hit the numbers that they gave us. But you know what? When God does something, he, nothing's ever taken away from it. He's always good. He's always got holiness. He's always, these are infinite aspects of Him. And we should thank God for who He is. Look at that little list at the very bottom. How many of them are there? Nine? Those nine things are very important to us. The ten on the other page of the doctrines about Christ. Those are very important to us. We've got to know what we believe and why we believe it. Sometimes these are hard, hard aspects to look at, but we've got to understand who God is. And can I tell you this? You'll never fully understand who He is. You know why? Because He's God. Husbands, when you married your wife, you thought, man, I know her. What just happened? I thought I knew her. There were, there's been times when I've said, I thought you liked this. She goes, I don't like those. I'm like, what is, what? Did she, she has the what? Ability to change her mind. Sometimes, do you like Italian food? Yes, I love it. The next time, I don't want to go to um, Olive Garden. There's things that they can change. But you know what? God never changes. What's the Bible say? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and 
forever.